Hi, I'm David Rothkopf, the CEO of the DSR Network and host of the Deep State Radio podcast. Here at DSR, we have always believed that in a world as complex, fast-moving, and full of risks as ours, we all need access to the best minds. That is why we have created the leading network for expert podcasts on the issues of the day you care about. We go in-depth on politics, the law, national security, foreign policy, intelligence, defense, climate, and new technologies with regular and special guests that are the leading voices in their fields. We also offer daily updates on global news, our DSR Daily, and on a key story of the day through our partnership with the New Republic. That is why over a million times a month, people like you choose to spend time with our hosts and guests. Membership is what supports this, and members get special benefits, including bonus content in virtually all of our podcasts. It's a big deal, and it's a good deal. Our monthly membership price is going to go up for the first time in our history on March 1st. So now is the time you can lock in our founder's rate of just $5 a month. To do so, go to the dsrnetwork.com and click on membership. It's that easy, but don't delay. Today's rates will only be available for a few more weeks. Join us, support us. Go to the dsrnetwork.com right now. Thank you. Hello, buenos dias, guten tag, welcome to the DSR Daily. I am one of your hosts, David Rothkopf, joined by two other hosts, Chris Cottonware. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well, thank you. Excellent. Riley Fessler, how are you today, Riley? Pretty good. What's the top of your hit parade today, Chris? A potential promising development in in the Israel-Hamas war. Hamas has offered up a ceasefire plan to pause the conflict in Gaza for four and a half months. Not exactly sure why four and a half months is sort of the magic bullet, but we'll we'll take it. Um, the plan was proposed after Secretary of State Antony Blinken visited with Egypt <clears throat> and Qatar, uh, and now he's in Israel to further these discussions. I do, in all kidding aside, this is a, a positive development if we can actually get this done. It seems like four and a half months could easily lead to, well, it could easily lead to uh, more um, bloodshed or, you know, if they actually adhere to it, to a truce. So I'm, I'm curious of your thoughts on that, David. Well, I mean, it's all part of a process. There are negotiations that are going back and forth, you know, between um, the Israelis and Hamas with intermediaries like the Qataris and, uh, um, you know, there, there are other actors who are involved who are trying to, you know, like the Saudis and others, all of whom Blinken has been talking to. Uh, CIA Director Bill Burns has been talking to them, uh, other folks from the White House. And, and I think, you know, um, you know, there is some appetite on both sides to get to some kind of a ceasefire um, uh, temporary. Uh, will it solve the big problems? No. Is there a strong possibility that 
you know, it gets broken for some reason or another, uh, yes. Um, but if the hostages, the, those that remain alive, can be brought home, uh, and if it can provide any respite and that can provide some kind of humanitarian relief and avoid the kind of catastrophic consequences we've been speaking about, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a positive. Uh, and it would represent a real, you know, breakthrough for diplomacy in this part of the world. And I think uh, will be hugely to the credit of the people who've been working on it, including those from this administration. But we shall see, because, you know, any kind of breakthrough of that sort might be seen in Israel as a chance to uh, have an election. And that's certainly not something that Netanyahu wants. Um, and uh, it won't lead anywhere unless there's new leadership for the Palestinians. Uh, and that's not an issue that has been resolved quite yet. So all in process, everything must be taken with a pillar of salt, but uh, we watch it closely. Can I ask a follow-up? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, a follow-up question is, what, what's, the, what's our view on Qatar? It seems like they've been involved in lots of these discussions over the past you know, several months. Well, I mean, the Qataris have a relationship with Hamas, and so they act as a kind of interlocutor. Um, I think there is, you know, some skepticism of of them because they they're they're trying to play both sides of this issue. They have provided funding for Hamas and so forth, which they say they do with the blessing of the Israelis, and they have done it past with the blessing of the Israelis. Um, but I think, you know, in this uh, kind of negotiation. The U.S. approach has been, let's take all the help we can get, and um, you know, sort of uh, to take a page out of Ronald Reagan's book, trust but verify. You know, be you know, to the, uh, the you know, there's there's many visible and not so visible relationships, alliances, ties that lay beneath the surface, which is why this is such a diplomatic thicket. Riley? Well, Nikki Haley made history in Nevada last night by being the <laughs> first presidential candidate in Nevada's history to lose to no one. Uh, yeah. Associated Press reporting uh, with 88% of the vote counted that none of these candidates won 63.2% of the vote. Um, so this was an option that Nevada kind of introduced in 1975, but Nikki Haley has the great honor of being the first per the first presidential candidate of either party to actually lose to the option. None of these, none of these candidates. Um, so, you know, as, as a reminder, Ronald, Donald Trump was not on the ballot. Exactly. Right? So, so as a reminder, Donald Trump was not on the ballot. And as such, the Republican party kind of disavowed this election. So the results are technically meaningless, um, they're going to uh, rely on a caucus instead, but it is a pretty brutal defeat for Nikki Haley as someone who's still trying to be seen as a viable alternative to lose to an empty field, essentially. Um, but your thoughts, David, if I were a Republican, I'd be voting for none of the above too. Um, in fact, I think, you know, frankly, we should seize this opportunity and get none of the above onto all of the Republican, um, primaries. But, uh, it, you know, it doesn't bode well for Nikki, but Nikki's just going through the paces. You know, it's just, it's, 
you know, she's pretending. I don't know what she hopes to get out of it. Twenty twenty eight. I don't. I don't know. Um, the Republican Party is, it is kind of moving on. Trump uh, yesterday uh, nudged out Ronna McDaniel, the chairman of the Republican Party, um, and you know, she said, "Well, I've been thinking about this for a long time," which some uh, gullible news organizations ran with, but of course. Trump wanted her out, wanted to change because, you know, things were looking pretty chaotic uh, beneath the hood uh, for these guys. And uh, this uh, primary is just one more example of that. Um, Chris? I'm showing my age here, but do you remember the movie Brewster's Millions with Richard Pryor where he inherited, I don't know, whatever, 10, 15, 20. He had to spend this amount of money in a certain amount of time. And one of the things that he did was he ran for office on the slogan, none of the above. <clears throat> and he actually ended up winning. Um, but I Yeah, guess well, the people have done you know things like that in the past. There was a candidate in New York that was quite popular a few years ago whose only policy position was rent's too high. You know, the damn rent's too high. And, you know, he got, he got some support for that. Um, um. Uh, anyway, we're you know this is a this is a, a a stunningly dysfunctional moment in American politics. Perhaps we will talk about some of that shortly. Well, I'm going to sticking with the dysfunction in the GOP party. Their attempts to impeach um, Mayorkas failed miserably, uh, with three Republicans siding with Democrats um, in a blow to. David's boy, Mike Johnson, um, and his hold on the speakership. I mean, it's, it, it would be funny um, if they were, you know, they, I, I think that the quote that stood out to me, this is, this is kind of what I've been trying to get across with as far as like throwing impeachment around, but they, they, the White House, uh, condemn the impeachment attempt as trivializing constitutional power and counterproductive to addressing national border security challenges. Couldn't have said it better myself. What a, what a shit Hey, look, show. that wasn't the only thing yesterday. And let's, you know, set aside, well, let's not set aside Nikki Haley. What do we have yesterday? Failed impeachment attempt. They wanted to pass a standalone bill for aid for Israel. That failed too. Um, uh, Donald Trump got slapped by the appeals court on the issue of presidential immunity. Nikki Haley lost to none of the above. Um, and of course, the whole border deal has collapsed. Um, uh, the, who was in support of this border deal? Oh, the Republicans. Why did why did why you know why did they want it? Oh, we were in a crisis. And 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 when were they supportive of it? A week ago. And when are they support? You know, and now they're not. So you know, you you had five big belly flops all in one day, um, and uh, it's it, we've seldom seen such a display of incompetence from a single party. But it has serious consequences, as you say, against the Constitution, or uh, you know, if we don't fund Ukraine. Uh, it's going to be bad news, real, real bad news. Riley? 
Well, uh, we've talked about some of the political dysfunction going on in Pakistan right now. Um, but as they head to the polls tomorrow, um, there has been a few instances of electoral violence, uh, two separate explosions targeted electoral candidates' offices um, last night and killed 26 people and wounded dozens, according to the article I read. Some of the uh, counts vary as I'm sure people are in critical condition in the hospital. But this highlights some of the security concerns around uh, Pakistan as militant attacks have been on the rise. Uh, nobody has taken credit for these attacks yet, but I mean, there are multiple militant groups in the country that could have done it. Uh, some of the kind of leading theories are the Pakistani Taliban and the Baloch separatist movement. Um, and this is just another incidence in a long string of issues with this election. One of the more contentious issues, as we've covered here, is the former prime minister, Imran Khan, uh, being jailed um, and escalating economic crises. So it's a pretty consequential election. Um, and, you know, I think we'll probably see a few more instances of violence uh, in the coming hours uh, ahead of the polls. Um, but hopefully they can come to uh, a positive conclusion. But we will see. Uh, yeah, well, I mean. It's going to be a mess. There's going to be uh, Pakistani politics is is pretty much always a mess, uh, and has had some violent interludes. Uh, this does not bode well for future stability in Pakistan. Uh, Chris, uh, well, guys, we may find out at some point <clears throat> what happened. Um, with the Nord Stream pipeline that was or that exploded in September 2022, but we won't be finding that out from Sweden as they've concluded their investigation, uh, citing uh, they do not have jurisdiction uh, over uh, the investigation and instead are leaving the rest of it to uh, Germany and Denmark. I, I, I. <laughs> I like to imagine that some guy was on a ship or was starting to be told, hey, guess you, guess what? You're leading this project uh, to investigate the Nord Stream pipeline. And he's like, fuck this. I'm not doing that. And Sweden essentially said, yeah, good, good idea. We're not, uh, we're not going to move forward with that investigation. Um, hopefully something will come of it. Germany and Denmark will continue. Sweden has turned over evidence um, to to Germany and Denmark uh, to continue this investigation. So, you know, we're, what, a year and a half off of that explosion. We still don't have answers. Maybe the GOP should, should head up investing. Yeah, exactly. Well, that'll get us there just as fast as we seem to be proceeding. Uh, Riley? Well, uh, it is official that uh, Tucker Carlson's trip to Russia has resulted in an interview with Vladimir Putin. Uh, this is kind of what people speculated, but the Kremlin has confirmed, and they have released some pretty amazing quotes to go along with it. Uh, Dmitry Peskov said, quote, when it comes to the countries of the collective West, the large network media, TV channels, and large newspapers can in no way boast of even trying to at least look impartial in terms of coverage, with the implication there being that Tucker Carlson is in fact impartial, uh, which of course we know he is not. Um, and they released a few quotes just saying, we, we want Tucker Carlson because he's, quote, in no way pro-Russian, it's not pro-Ukrainian, it's pro-American. 
which is just laughable. Um, I don't even necessarily have an issue with the idea of somebody interviewing Vladimir Putin, but I do have an issue with Tucker Carlson doing it because he's a clown. Um, so I'm really curious to see this interview. I'm sure it'll be an absolute shit show. I, yeah, I'm sure the journalistic term for it was like fellatio. You know, I mean, they've already gotten some sense out of, you know, that he, you know, it's just kind of softballs delivered to Putin. And uh, um, uh, I suspect that's the totality of the whole thing. That's why they gave it to Carlson. And, you know, everybody knows what the attitude of the Russian government is towards the truth and towards the media. Uh, and so if they do provide an interview, it's clearly not going to be on the up and up. You're right. Journalists, you know, should should be doing these. And as a number of journalists, including Christiane Amanpour of CNN, said yesterday, um, uh, it's, uh, you know, many of them have been trying to get an interview with Putin. But of course, Putin is shied away because he knows they'll ask hard questions. Uh, there was one other point made, which is that there are a couple of journalists now in jail, including American journalists, uh, and that, you know, Carlson going there and uh, flaunting all of this uh, in the face of uh, in the face of that is even uglier um, than uh, uh, than, you know, you know, doing Putin's bidding. Uh, so pretty, pretty, pretty horrible. Um, well. That's it for today. We've got a lot coming up. We've got our Mothership podcast coming today uh, and is going to look at the consequences of this chaos in the House for our foreign policy, um, for our alliances, for the future of U.S. national security. And uh, we've got more coming, politics tomorrow. Uh, we're all going to die radio on Friday. Uh, and we hope you'll join us for all of that, as well as the Daily, as well as the Daily Blast with uh, the New Republic. Uh, right here on the DSR network. So see you then and there in the, all those places. Until then, bye-bye.